So a couple things happened in California. Worthy of noting. You've got the DA in San Francisco got recalled. They had their primaries uh, yesterday. They also had some other things on the ballot. They pulled him out. They pulled out a guy who was based in this progressive conversation about justice where there is no justice, there are no prosecutions. Criminals control the cities. And if people like him or, or uh, uh, Garson and uh, Garcones or Garcon and in uh, Los Angeles or the guy in, in New York, they, they want to claim that, that this is the way you're supposed to do things. It's not the way Americans want it because it doesn't work. All your conversations about making sure there's justice and we're not going to have cash bail and we're not going to prosecute these crimes and we're not going to do this. You have signaled to criminals that they can do anything. They're doing anything and the cities are falling apart. We should be clear that your style, your, your, your ideology fails a society. You can't run a society. You don't have what it takes. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. I just got the most interesting question on, on Twitter. I want to I get to it in just a moment. But there's something else that went on. This removal of a district attorney took place in California. If it's not working in California and San Francisco of all places, perhaps it doesn't work. You head down south and you head to Los Angeles and you find that the runoff for mayor is going to be Karen Bass for the Democrats. Now, quick story about Karen Bass. Karen Bass was, I believe, uh, city council, and then uh, she was appointed uh, to Congress and then won some elections and now is running for mayor, as she probably assumed was her birthright. But the way they do things in, uh, you know, Los Angeles or in, in parts of California, right, uh, the top two, they go to a runoff. Now, if somebody had gotten 50%, maybe. A lot of people were running. She got 38% of the vote, it seems. I, I got to double check that because that's what I have right here. But she'll be running against Rick Caruso, who is a Republican. A billionaire has been talking very tough on crime, and the people of California have responded, vowing to clean up homeless encampments. Now, this is still a Democrat enclave, a Democrat stronghold. Um, you, you, you would think that, sh- that Bass, Representative Bass, would still have the advantage. But they've seen in Los Angeles what's been happening. They've seen the failure of their policies. They have seen what it is their district attorney, their prosecutor has done, and they've said, this is terrible. We don't want to live like this. Yet somehow, they still consider Gavin Newsom to be somebody of value. They still consider Gavin Newsom somebody that should get reelected. Which is an interesting way to view things. Oh, all right, well, what's happening in my backyard is terrible. But it's, it's, it's good enough for the rest of the state. 
We can't have it. But it's okay if other people deal with it. What would it, 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 it just the, the idea that there's a, a real Republican in, I shouldn't say real Republican, but a Republican in the running in Los Angeles and getting support. I, I read a story that, that this guy Caruso has some support from Gwyneth Paltrow and Snoop Dogg, which, well, there, there's a, there's a wide swath of, of, of uh, people behind you. Interesting dynamics. Is California changing? Uh, I I put, it's been a long time. I haven't lived there in almost nine years. I put forth to you, no. California, unfortunately, is not changing. But people do recognize when something doesn't work. And sometimes you change from Coke to Pepsi just to remind yourself. Now, unfortunately, people don't change and be like, you know what? This new one's better because Pepsi is definitely not better than Coke. But you'd make a change every now and again just to be like, all right, wait, what was this like again? Now, can you admit to yourself that you like it and that you want to keep it? Probably not because along will come uh, some other type of Coke product. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the way it's supposed to be. You see, I thought I had voted for Coke, but I actually voted for New Coke. Nobody wanted New Coke. So I checked out Pepsi, and it turns out, oh, there's the Coke classic I've always known and loved. You know, standard progressivism. That also doesn't work. But it's a little safer to walk down the streets at night on Melrose. It's a little safer to go to the Grove. It's a little bit better off in the Hollywood Hills. And that's all we need. We just don't have the smash and grabs like we used to. Sure, sometimes there's a smash and grab, but you know, kids be kids. Maybe that's what's going to take place. Maybe that is actually what is happening. Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know for sure. I do know that when you see these two things happen in California, you must pay attention to them. You have to. You have to recognize that something is being said. But as we discuss January 6th, do do the politicos realize that something is being said? The January 6th primetime propaganda hearings that we'll be seeing tomorrow, which according to producer Ari, I have to watch. That's right. Uh, these uh, n- people are not paying attention. People don't care about them, as Congresswoman Elise Stefanik explained. This committee is not about seeking the truth. It is a smear campaign against President Donald Trump, against Republican members of Congress, and against Trump voters across this country. This committee is unconstitutional. It is illegitimate. It was not put together according to the rules of the House. It does not serve any true legislative or oversight purpose. And it is not about finding out why Nancy Pelosi left the Capitol so ill-prepared that day. It is designed to punish Nancy Pelosi's political opponents. And it will not prevent another January 6th from happening. And it does nothing to address the numerous crises Americans are suffering from because of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi's radical far-left agenda. Now, you got to understand she's throwing Pelosi in there because she's House leadership, and that's the right thing to do. But I got asked a question on Twitter by Kristen. 
Crisp, crisp, crip. Wow, that's that's not easy. Crisp Kristen on Twitter. How dare you? That's difficult. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and she tweeted to me, Tony, this morning I heard you say people don't care about January 6th. Well, that happens to be true. They don't. You also referred to January 6th as if it were merely a question of why the Capitol was left so unprotected. Are we just ignoring the planning to deny a presidential election and prevent peaceful transfer of power? Uh, a couple things within there. First, I appreciate the question. I never mind a, a, a question. Um, I'm not saying that it was merely a question of why the Capitol was left so unprotected. I think it's an egregious egregious lack of security that needs a full investigation and questions answered. Not merely. It is severe. What happened is horrific. Now, if we want to discuss the idea of planning to deny a presidential election and prevent uh, the peaceful transfer of power, I could also go back to 2017. I can go back to the people who challenged the Trump election I can go back to people who were uh, through uh, in in uh, twenty was it twenty twenty trying to storm the White House. I can do a lot of things to talk about uh, peace and lack of peace. But your question was specifically about those people who were trying to stop the election. You'll notice I have never once in my radio career, or I would argue privately, said don't prosecute those people. I've never engaged that conversation. I wanted to know why there wasn't more force used to stop people from invading the Capitol. I've asked that question out loud. Do I think Ashley Babbitt should have been shot? Of course not. Do I think more force should have been used to stop people? Yes, because I oppose riots. And I have always said that it was a riot. Go about prosecuting people who are trying to stop a peaceful transfer of power. Although I don't think that's what actually happened. If you want to argue there are people there who want to do harm, I won't say no. But the amount of people who were there to actually do harm were an extremely small number of even those inside the Capitol. Especially when you consider the number of people inside the Capitol that were invited in by Capitol Police. Now, if this goes against uh, some preconceived notion or some political uh, narrative, well, I'm sorry about that, but you're going to have to drop your preconceived notions and your political narratives. People were invited into the Capitol. Those people are not people trying to somehow undo an election and prevent the peaceful transfer of power. That's not who they are. I reject anything that says otherwise, because it would be a lie. You want to make the claim that they were there to uh, deny a presidential election? Well, go make your case. Go make your case. I don't tell you no. I didn't say you couldn't prosecute people. I have seen a series of prosecutions uh, uh, from this. I don't think that we've heard much of, about insurrection, but there have been prosecutions. There's been sedition conversations and the Proud Boys and this, that, and the other. All right. I will tell you that when I hear stories of those people who've been detained and they've been prevented from seeing their lawyers and they're held in isolation and they've been held for months and months 
I say this is not our country. And that if Democrats gave a damn about law and order, I'm talking about a good holy damn about law and order, they wouldn't allow that to happen. Now, yes, I'm, 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 I'm off to a, another subject here, not necessarily your subject. I think I've answered your subject. I've never said anything about prosecutions. Go right ahead. But I believe they should follow the law. And I'd like to see Democrats actually give a damn about these things, which I don't see. Because the Democratic Party, when it comes to January 6th, is only in a retribution mode. Every time the Democrats walk into a January 6th committee hearing, this is what they hear in their heads. Every single guy thinks he's Tony Soprano. When every single Democrat and Republican on that committee isn't even up to Spider's ranking. I know it's good, fellas, but go with me. And every single woman on that panel also thinks they're Tony Soprano or Tony Soprano's mother. And not a one of them is even K. I know it's Godfather, but go with me. This is all about retribution. This is all about destroying Trump. It isn't about, wait, how, how did you, you word it? Uh, ignore, you know, the planning to deny a presidential election or preventing the peaceful transfer of power. None of the January 6th committee is about that. It's a witch hunt. And this is why America is not paying attention. My argument earlier is my argument now. The American people don't want to hear about witch hunts when they're hunting for baby formula for their children. And the Democratic Party doesn't see it. They don't notice it. They don't notice it. It's it's remarkable to be this to be this completely disconnected. They just voted out the district attorney in San Francisco, and they have just offered up a Republican to take on a black female Democrat in Los Angeles, and that white male might win. Democrats are not connected to reality, to the people, to rational thought. And tomorrow they're going to go prime time? Dear Lord. Dear goodness gracious, best of luck with that. Best of luck with that. You, you're going to make mistakes this bad? Uh, you know what? Now, now I will watch because <laughs> who doesn't love a good train wreck, huh? Again, so much bourbon. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow, down 243, the NASDAQ down 72, and I am doing everything I can to get up to speed on this golf stuff. It's it's insane. You have this this Saudi-backed golf tour 
Is it called Live, Ari? I just seen it spelled out L-I-V, but I don't know how it's pronounced. Okay. And it, it, I guess it has Saudi investors that come just come directly out of the, the Saudi Arabian uh, government, uh, and uh, they're putting together this golf tour. And people like Phil Mickelson have joined the tour. Phil Mickelson is part of the tour, and they're starting to get bigger, bigger names um, to to join in. Major, major names. Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed are going to this tour. Bryson resigned from the PGA. And so there's a, a very, very interesting conversation here about the idea of competition. Then there's the people who are talking about, oh, you'll go to the Saudi-backed. Well, what do you think about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? A question that none of these reporters and sports guys you know, none of them ever turn to LeBron James and say, what about the murder of all the Uyghur Muslims? Why do you have to get that commie Chinese money? It doesn't happen. But on this, it's happening? So there's, a, there's, there's that component. There is a political component. But being an Indianapolis guy, I'm asking a different question. When you take a look at this competing tour, and I'm not opposed to competition, is this competition or is this like IndyCar and CART? Does this, the creation of a separate league, does this lead to destruction? Can it survive? Can the PGA survive this way? Can this, this live tournament or live tour, LIV tour, can it survive? Now, it's the Saudis. They just write checks. So maybe. But I'm not I'm curious if there is a parallel. I'm not saying there is a parallel to IndyCar and Cart. It's what I went to. It's why I'm doing some more studying to figure out what, what exactly there is here. What exactly is all this? I'll have more. Also on Joe Biden's abuse of power, and I'm gonna talk about Sidney Sweeney. Because somebody has to. This is Tony Katz today. secure and safe schools and we want gun laws that won't make it so easy for the bad guys to get these damn guns so we know it's on the table we need to invest in mental health care we need safer schools we need to restrain sensationalized media coverage we need to restore our family values we need to restore our American values, and we need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. 
These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. I agree and I disagree, Matthew McConaughey. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Producer Ari asked me, how come you're not talking about this? I said, actually, I... Uh, a, a an, an actor, uh, uh, an American citizen, speaking about uh, guns uh, doesn't make it somehow more important or less important. Well, he was speaking at the White House, true enough, because the White House can't get enough uh, of celebrity. The White House adores constantly talking about, hearing about, and sharing celebrity. But that doesn't mean that they're sharing what is accurate or what I agree with. Well, what did he say that you disagree with? All right. I'm more than happy, more than happy to break this down. Now, understand that I think Matthew McConaughey and I want the same basic things. And what we want is a safe society. What we want is a society where kids aren't getting killed in schools. I think that we agree on that. But when you tell me that raising the age to purchase an AR-15 to 21 is reasonable, practical, and tactical, I must object because there's no proof in that. There's emotion in that. And with all due respect, Matthew, your emotion does not move me. You understand that Uvalde is special to Matthew McConaughey because that's where he grew up. Uvalde, Texas is where I was born. It's where my, my mom taught kindergarten less than a mile from Robb Elementary. Uvalde is where I learned to master a, a, a Daisy BB gun. That took two years before I graduated to a 410 shotgun. Uvalde is where I was taught to revere the power and the capability of the tool that we call a gun. Uvalde is where I learned responsible gun ownership. Now, Uvalde called me on May 24th when I learned the news of this devastating tragedy. I had been out of cellular range working in the studio all day when I emerged, and messages about a mass shooting in the town I was born in began flooding my inbox. In a bit of shock, I drove home. I hugged my children a bit tighter and longer than the night before. And then the reality of what had happened that day in the town I was born in set in. So the next morning, Camilla, myself, and the kids, we loaded up the truck and we drove to you, Valley. I have no doubt that that's an emotional scene. Now, I didn't learn uh, responsible gun ownership uh, from a BB gun. I learned responsible gun ownership because my father had a weapon. More than one. And I knew where they were. Now, there weren't big lessons on how to use one. There were conversations about why to own one. My father actually never took me shooting. I don't I don't fault him for it. It was New Jersey. I'm not 100% sure where he necessarily would have taken me back in that day. And there are some other reasons, reasons that I'll one day get to. I really learned responsible gun ownership on my own. I learned it from saying this is something that I want to own. That when I see a government looking to repress 
the ability of people to keep and bear arms. I realize how important it is to be a practitioner of my rights. When I see people uh, trying to uh, utilize government as a repressive tool, I'm reminded of how important it is to speak out. I do not doubt at all the sincerity of Matthew McConaughey. My uh, uh, wife and I, uh, my wife and I, Camilla, we spent most of last week on the ground with the families in Uvalde, Texas. We shared stories, tears, and memories. The, uh, the common thread, independent of the anger and the confusion and sadness, it, it was the same. How can these families continue to honor these deaths by keeping the dreams of these children and teachers alive? Again, how can the loss of these lives matter? So while we honor and acknowledge the victims, we, we need to recognize that this time, it seems that something is different. There is a sense that perhaps there's a viable path forward. Responsible parties in this debate seem to at least be committed to sitting down and having a real conversation about a new and improved path forward. A path that can bring us closer together and make us safer as a country. A path that can actually get something done this time. Uh, Camille and I came here to share my stories from my hometown of Uvalde. Came here to take meetings with elected officials on both sides of the aisle. We came here to speak to them, to speak with them, and to urge them to speak with each other. To remind and inspire them that the American people will continue to drive forward the mission of keeping our children safe. Because it's more than our right to do so. It's our responsibility to do so. I'm here today in the hopes of applying what energy, reason, and passion that I have and to try to turn this moment into a reality. Because as I said, this moment is different. We are in a window of opportunity right now that we have not been in before. A window where it seems like real change. Real change can happen. I'm curious what real change is. Because the change that I'm looking for is cultural. Matthew, the change that I'm looking for is one that doesn't look at life as something that is just meh. I'm looking for a culture that knows how to deal with loss and disappointment and embarrassment without having to hurt others. I'm looking for a culture that doesn't teach children that it's always somebody else's fault. Tell me, Matthew, is that the change you seek? Is that what you see? Because if that's what you see, well then hot damn. We're going to get somewhere. But if what you see is raging, raising the age of buying a rifle to 21 with all due respect, that's some short-sighted vision. That's, that isn't valuable. That is a talking point based in fear. Well, Tony, kids are afraid to go to school. I'm not disagreeing with this, although I couldn't tell you how many. I would say one is too much, which is why I want to discuss how we're going to protect schools like we protect jewelry stores and banks, how we protect elected officials. I talk about the story of somebody trying to murder Justice Kavanaugh. 
A man was arrested with a gun and a knife and pepper spray from California in Maryland on Brett Kavanaugh Street and said to police, I came to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Why? Because of abortion. Came to kill Brett Kavanaugh because of abortion. I can argue incited, right? Because the people who may disagree with this draft that was out there from Justice Alito that would overturn Roe v. Wade, that wouldn't end abortion in the United States, so angry, so angry that anybody would, anybody would even question abortion. They went into all the sorts of language. You, you need proof? How about a little bit of Chuck Schumer from just a few years ago? Now we stand here today because behind me, inside the walls of this court, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments, as you know, for the first major abortion right cases since Justices Kavanaugh and Justices Gorsuch came to the bench. We know what's at stake. Over the last three years, women's reproductive rights have come under attack in a way we haven't seen in modern history. From Louisiana to Missouri to Texas, Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. First of all, as producer Ari notes, uh, the whirlwind is actually Chuck Schumer's pro wrestling name. And second, you will pay the price. For even thinking of discussing whether or not Roe v. Wade is constitutional or whether it was properly engaged. I want the society that can take a look at the court and disagree like I did with Obamacare and then want to move forward with trying to either change minds or change the law. I do not want to take a look at a problem and say, well, the answer is law-abiding people now have to wait longer. Why do I have to wait for my rights, Matthew McConaughey, when we talk about guns? Why should I have to have a waiting period? Well, Tony, you don't need that gun right away. You, Matthew, my friend, you, whomever it may be, don't get to tell me when my rights apply. My rights apply from my existence. I, never mind the Constitution, never mind that I uh, uphold and revere it as a document of extraordinary measure. But even if you wanted to put that aside, I, by nature's God and nature's law, have the right to protect and defend myself. I do not need to explain need to anyone. You want to talk about raising the age to purchase a, 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 an AR-15 or a rifle to 21. And you said this on Fox News. You know Texas gun owners. You talk to them all the time. All the time. And what do they say to you? Well, here's the thing. Look, I, 
I've been talking to so many that are gun owners, that own AR-15s, that are responsible gun owners. And I hear so many of them saying, yeah, pause after purchase, I like that idea. Hey, 18 to 21, for that AR-15 style rifle, yeah. Because you know what the difference is, and the argument would be, well, at 18, go in the military. Well, they're going to the military with a intention, intent and purpose. All right, and even going to the military, it's like over a week of training before they're ever putting a live, live round into that semi-automatic. All right, that's with intention and purpose. We're talking about it here in the civil society to be able to go purchase that kind of weapon. And then that afternoon, do what you will with it. I think we could be more responsible than that. Yes, sir, I do. But millions and millions of people are more responsible than that. Yet you are putting them in the same bucket. Well, Tony, if it protects one life, with all due respect, Matthew, I will not give up an ounce of my rights. I will not give up an ounce of my soul. I will not give up an ounce of my freedom. So somebody else can pretend to rest comfortably or to pretend that somehow a life is saved because if we are giving up rights, tell me what life we're actually discussing. I do not question whether Matthew McConaughey takes the subject seriously and whether or not he is a serious person. I believe both things to be true. I actually find them extremely impressive. That Hollywood could have not rubbed off on him, and he is what it is you would like your children to be, a man of thought and a man of reason, even if we disagree. Because this is how it's done. I believe Matthew McConaughey isn't taking a total look. I think that his, um, his theory is flawed. I believe that our goal is simpatico. I believe that our goal, our desire for safe kids in safe schools is quite all right. But how he wants to get there, it's simply something I can't go for because I believe it tears away at the fabric of society, not protecting the society. That it endangers the very concepts of liberty that we have to agree are the tantamount, paramount, important, most valuable things. But 19 kids did not deserve to die in Uvalde. It was Uvalde. Al, not ah, Al. I just was listening to, to him pronounce this. I want to say it right. Uvalde. Or is Uvalde? I'll listen to him again. I'll figure it out. They didn't deserve it. I don't want it, and I don't want it again. But if you want to really take that microphone, that megaphone, that opportunity in front of the press corps, societal and cultural rot, perseverance and resilience, teaching how to deal with frustration and rejection, man, it's going to go a lot farther. One man's thought. I appreciate Matthew McConaughey speaking out so clearly. I'm Tony Katz.